Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back. So we're recording this in our lunch break and we just looked at each other and we were like, why is everyone in this house so loud? Yeah. Mum, I know you're going to be listening to this and also just know that we're listening to you whilst we're recording this. And you might hear yourself. Yeah. Hi, Mum. In the background. (laughs) But anyway, Evie, what's been lame and sound in your week? Well, we saw a certain someone on our house. Oh my God. Oh my God. A celebrity. Oh my God. The biggest celebrity, I might add. We saw Mary Berry out hacking. <laughs> it was like the weirdest moment of my life. Oh my God. It was so funny though. We were just walking down this hill and this car comes along. There's little old ladies in it and they waited in a gap for us. So. It was quite a weird car as well, wasn't it? It was like... I wouldn't have pictured Mary Berry in that car. No, and it was... I don't know what model it was, but it was like bright gold, wasn't it? Yeah. And like quite small. Yeah, I thought I expected like a family to be in it. And yeah. Then when I saw like these little old ladies, and they were really smiley. I it was just, like a like, group of smiling ladies. back. And then in the back seat was just Mary Berry. <laughs> and I was just smiling and like waving. It was definitely her as it well. It was 100% so, her. like distinctive. Yeah, because three of us went past and all three of us were like, <laughs> oh my God. And then me and Evie just started screaming. Well, no, I well, started I screaming. shouted. You were like, that's Mary Berry. <laughs> oh my god it's mary it's mary so that was a really exciting moment i have met her before in the past i went to a book signing of hers in case anyone doesn't know and i don't know why you wouldn't know mary berry is a very famous celebrity baker yeah and she used to be one of the judges on the great british bake-off and she's like it hasn't been the same really since like i still watch it but no it's lost its charm She's an, she's an icon, like she's up there sort of with David Attenborough, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, David Attenborough is, if I saw David Attenborough though, I'd also scream. Yeah. Yeah, David Attenborough is like the OG of the animal world. Mary Berry's the OG of the cake world. She's like the nation's grandma. It used to be the queen, but obviously she's sadly passed. So I feel like now Mary's the nation's grandma. Mary's taken that Her hair was like absolutely beautifully perfect I know, it was like on she point. must get that flow right but also what made me laugh is she knew as well that we would recognize her she lives around here actually yeah i don't know why we were so surprised <laughs> she literally lives like 15 minutes down the road so exciting though that was really good yeah and also i am sort of bringing terry back into work now which is good i mean it's still like very slowly slowly i'm just stretching him around the long side of the arena but yeah i'm really glad to be bringing him back into work cool what about you I don't really know what I've done this week other than just look at the foal, ride my horses. We took the horses for a canter, which was really nice because the ground is finally good enough to go cantering. Oh yeah, I took Simba. (laughs) Simba has never cantered out on a hack before. And I mean, he's been around the gallops. Like I rode him around the gallops. I don't know where my bravery came from to do that. But anyway, I did that. It's very different on a gallop track though, isn't it? Yeah, it was absolutely bloody terrifying. But, you know, like, it's nicer because it's sort of on a surface and, like, there's a track to follow. Whereas I feel like when you're in an open field, it's a bit, like, I feel like a lot more can go wrong. Whereas when you're on a gallop track, they just follow it. Like, even if they bolted, they would just bolt around the track, if that makes sense. But in an open field, it's like anything can happen. And there were cows in there that we didn't even know about as well. Oh, my God, I know. Just, like, rogue cows just walking around. I know, and then you might see, like, some walkers or, you know, there's a... Pheasant 
jumps out of the hedge. Everything can go wrong. Yeah. But luckily this one, it didn't it didn't go wrong. No. And I really wanted to like gallop up this field. And I was on Sirocco, Evie was on Simba, <laughs> my sister was on Louis. And I just saw Evie was like a little bit in front of me. And we were cantering and like right at the beginning. And then Simba did like a couple little rodeo strides. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And Evie's very brave in these situations. She just like grabbed the reins and just kicked. And then he was like, oh shit. I think I, I slapped his like neck with the reins from side to <laughs> yeah. side, like quite lightly. And he was like, what on yeah. earth is oh. she doing? Oh, I am meant to canter. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, I don't want to go past her because yeah. I don't want him. I don't want Simba to be silly. So then I was holding Sirocco back and just cantering him and then letting him go and like, galloping up and then like bringing him back again so that was fun I also took Frodo for a canter as well actually that's another positive yeah a little five-year-old yeah he was really good actually yeah he went in front and like he was very steady I could have just like been buckle end and he just would have stayed in like the same rhythm which is really nice when they're like that because obviously I didn't know what he'd be like I I assumed he would be like that based on how he is in the school but you just don't know do you no no it's a bit of a gamble really I think we have a lot of hacking stories Mm. that we could tell we do so I wonder if Maybe next time we should do a hacking special. Yeah, I've got the amount of like near death experiences (laughs) that we've all had. I've got quite a lot now because I just take all the (laughs) the riffraff out. I know, but even like your old ponies that you used to take out. Uh, I've never. I don't think I. Terry is the first horse that I've had that's been good to hack. Really, all my others were not. I've never been very good. No, (laughs) but Terry's like really easy. Alrighty, then moving on to dilemmas, and this first one is a little bit longer, so Evie, take the floor. Hi girls, love listening to you both. I'm having a few issues with my riding and was wondering if you could help. I've recently moved my horse up to elementary and of course that comes with a dip in scores whilst we're gaining our confidence. My mare is very talented and we're showing very promising work at home, in training and in the warm-up, but I'm seemingly backing off in the test and she is recognising this and shutting down on me in some moments. It isn't nerves, but I've got doubt in my head, almost waiting for something to go wrong. Have you ever experienced this feeling and do you have any advice? Would be much appreciated. Thanks, ladies. Kiss, kiss. (laughs) Kiss, kiss. Okay, so my first thoughts are when you're moving up levels, it, it can be quite daunting if you've not done it before, which is stuff that we've spoken about previously. However, something that I would say is that your scores shouldn't really drop in that if your base training is good enough, then what you're getting at novice level is what you should be getting at elementary level because really the tests aren't that different. You know, you've got a leg yield and one leg yield and like maybe a simple change shouldn't really drag your scores down that much. So if they are being really dragged down, then potentially you need to go back and you need to, you know, get back to training and whatnot. Yeah, maybe go down a level competing i would say compete less train more yeah and if you're not seeing an improvement go and get a different trainer as well or she could potentially go back down to novice you know competing if she wants to keep getting out there and getting confidence at shows because it sounds to me like she might be a bit stressed about the scores dropping so i almost think well it might be worth going back out at the level below to sort of get your scores back up to where they were meanwhile at home brush up on the movements for the elementary because if your scores are dropping like you say quite a lot then you obviously need to sort of nail them more at home before then going to a show because I would say if you up a level unless you're doing that test knowing that there are green movements so like for me for instance when I went up to advanced medium on Terry I think I was on like 
I think I still got like 70%, which wasn't a huge drop, but then obviously at like medium elementary, I was on like 74%. But I was going into that test knowing that my changes were still like really hit and miss. So sometimes I think you do go in sort of thinking, I'm just going to go out and see what they're like. But to me, like you said, there's not much difference between novice and elementary. So you shouldn't really have that much of a dip. I would also say in this dilemma, it says during the test, I kind of shut down and it's and it's not nerves. However, it's potentially some sort of sports psychology type thing that even though maybe you don't feel nervous and you're not feeling nerves, part of you is feeling doubt, which is in turn making you shut down. Well, yeah, I would say that it's not it's not nerves. As in, she's not necessarily nervous to ride around the arena, but I would say that it's more performance anxiety. Yeah, exactly. So that might also be the reason why her scores are dipping, because she might be at home nailing every elementary movement, but because she's got that performance anxiety when she goes away from home and competes, that's going to really affect your marks. I mean, it's like doing an exam, isn't it? You can study for hours and hours and hours and know absolutely everything about the topic but then when you're in the exam hall your brain goes blank and you can't remember anything because you just sort of seize up because it's quite like overwhelming yeah I mean the way to get around that in terms of horses and doing dressage is potentially go out and do loads of different arena hires or go out to camps and like different trainers different training just so you can you can keep getting out and di- and keep riding in different situations that hopefully will slightly put you under that pressure that then you can work through, but it's not in a test environment. Yeah, and maybe what I would say as well, if it was me, I know sometimes when I go out, I tend to do two tests. And the first one, I never feel as though I ride as well as I do in the second. And it's because you almost go in there and you're sort of not in la-la land, but you're not necessarily with it. And then usually that's reflected in my marks where I'm like, oh, I didn't want to get that mark. And then I use that frustration at myself for not riding well to go in and then I really actively ride so it might be worth to do two tests yeah if you don't already if you are doing two tests then maybe think okay well rather than doing two elementaries I'll do a novice to start with you know just at that level below that you were confident with go around that ride it try and ride it as proactively as possible and then if that goes wrong it doesn't really matter and then in the elementary sort of channel your mistakes in the first and just really go for it because I find that that really helps Yeah, that's a really good point. And also if you're doing like a novice in elementary, then you'll have quite a big gap in between. So hopefully then you can go and you can digest what you've just done and really like think up a good game plan of what you're going to do. Like almost use the first test as a warm up test. I mean, that's why I tend to struggle at like the regional competitions or national competitions because you don't get that warm up test. So I finish at the end and I think, oh, I wasn't as proactive there as I should have been. And again, I wouldn't say it's nerves, but it is a bit of performance anxiety. You know, you want to do really well. So you put pressure on yourself and then you sort of just go a bit blank and your horse, they really need you to hold their hand the whole way around because they're a bit nervous too, because they're a different environment and shows just have that. They carry that atmosphere, don't they? So you need to be the person to hold their hand. So yeah, I would definitely say do a warm up test for sure. Or even like maybe think, okay, I'll, if you're doing affiliated competitions, maybe think I'll drop down to unaffiliated or I'll do it HC, you know, so it doesn't go on your results. That might be a good option as well. Lots of people do that, don't they? They just go HC. Yeah. Yeah, really good advice. Also, just fake it till you make it. You know, like if, if like you said, you don't feel very confident while you're in there because it is, you know, a little bit of anxiety towards the test and what you're doing, just completely fake it. You know how like Beyonce said that she was too nervous to go on stage and perform. So mm. she made like a, an alter ego and she became that alter ego on stage. You got to do that when you ride. <laughs> yeah, you do. And also just in case no one knows what HC is or for like any non-horsey listeners, I mean, how would you explain HC? It's basically when... It means horse conquers or something. 
Yeah. It's French. It's essentially when you get to go to a show and be in the competition, but you're not actually competing against anybody and your scores aren't actually going to go anywhere. So it's quite good, really, because you're still in that environment and also you're still being judged as well. So you'll get to read all the feedback from the judging. So that might be a good option for you as well to go HC. Yeah, because then as well you can just test things out. And also it'd be interesting to see as well that if you do go HC to see whether your scores or your test is actually way better because then you'll know that it actually is your performance anxiety that's the problem. But yeah, I hope our options have given you a little bit of advice of maybe what to do but good luck and just know that you're not the only person everyone seizes up during tests sometimes but just keep going with it and just keep going out competing and hopefully the more experience you get the better you'll become Alrighty then guys so this next one is more of a question slash open-ended discussion rather than a dilemma but it was a question that was sent in by a listener so we thought that we should answer it really and that is how do you make a living as a professional rider the short answer is we don't <laughs> but we thought it was a good discussion to have didn't we yeah you have some good points well, for me, at least, I work for Joanna's family, essentially, on their yard. So I get paid by them. So I think for a lot of people, that's quite a common source of income for professional riders. They get employed on the yard and they get paid. But then obviously, as well, you get your freelancers. So people that aren't necessarily employed by one yard, but sort of go all over riding various different horses and getting paid that way. Or you get people like Joanna, who has a business at home and are self-employed through their own business. I would add to that that all of those things are a source of income but I wouldn't say they earn a living in the sense that you're earning very minimal amounts once you've paid for all of your outgoings because like we've said in the past horses are so expensive oh yeah like Terry's shoes are basically like my weekly salary so when the farrier comes I'm like well <laughs> and there goes all my yeah. money yeah I've got two horses and Simba is also super expensive to yeah. shoes like 180 a set of shoes oh, so in that sense yes we do earn money but it also goes out so quickly so Evie and I are very lucky or potentially very unlucky depends on your mindset in that we still live at home but because of that we aren't having to pay rent we don't really spend that much money other than on our horses I would say no we don't I mean like we literally had a conversation the other day where you were like oh my god I can't buy this top because it's like 20 quid or something whereas you know we're perfectly happy to spend 180 quid on a pair (laughs) of shoes even though we only earn like 100 pound a week you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous but yeah I mean it's quite a tricky one I did just ask my mum who has obviously been working with horses her entire life, I said, Mum, how do you earn a living through horses? Potentially something that I should have asked her many, many years ago. And she just turned to me and she went, well, you need to marry rich, really, don't you? (laughs) So, yeah, I would say that you can have a semi-comfortable life working with horses, but that, I mean, it depends on how you define earning a living. If your living is going on two holidays a year and having a new car and a huge house, then that's potentially not going to earn you a living so I think it depends on what you want out of life and if you do choose to work with horses I think it is very much a lifestyle choice and we've spoken about this in the past as well haven't we yeah it, it is a lifestyle it's not a job necessarily yeah so I would say if you want quite an exuberant 
lifestyle or if you want to be really financially you know well off or comfortable then potentially working with horses isn't necessarily the career for you because even if you are earning money it's not necessarily consistent either yeah yeah because for example a lot of professional riders they do a lot of freelance teaching or coaching or training that's probably the biggest source of income for dressage riders and just riders in general I would say is teaching yeah hugely however I do have a little bit of a problem with teaching (laughs) in that it feels to me like anyone who rides thinks that they can therefore teach and just because you can add up sums doesn't mean you're going to be a maths teacher yeah you know what I mean and obviously I understand it you know everyone wants to earn some money so people put themselves out there as being coaches and trainers but I don't know if necessarily that's the right thing to do but that is an entirely different conversation as well isn't it but that as a source of income could potentially earn you more than let's say having a horse in for training with you or owning a livery yard and having you know like weekly livery because if you can be charging upwards of 30 pounds for a lesson and you're doing okay this is where my maths is really bad if you're doing a lot of lessons in the week or whatnot that can still be quite a good money spinner but however like you said that's not consistent because for example in the winter you wouldn't be doing so much in the summer you'd be like running yourself ragged yeah that type of thing yeah I mean the other way to earn money is have a livery yard like we do here and we have training liveries and things like that which is consistent money but that like we are very lucky in that we inherited a yard already whereas if you don't already have a yard renting is so hard I don't know how people rent and also run a business yeah that must be ridiculously tricky yeah and also you have to remember as well with liveries is it's great having liveries there because they're consistent source of income and that they're paying x amount each month or whatever but if it's full livery you're having to look after their horse so even though that payment is good it's still taking hours out of your day so it's not necessarily like you've actually got a much disposable income from that I would say liveries are more sort of like the bread and butter you know they're just there as like a fallback but they they again the money from them just goes straight out on feed and bedding and all the rest of it yeah I'd say having liveries keeps your business going but it doesn't grow your business no like you're not gonna earn loads of money from that no and do you know I was thinking about this earlier because there are some like Instagram influencers that are completely non-horsey that very much like sell you know the daily grind as they Mm. say of like working so hard to earn so much money now I don't know anyone within the equestrian industry that is like that no and I wonder if that is because it's so lifestyle based that you know we are like as a community we're not the the end goal isn't money no really if you want to be really wealthy horses is definitely yeah not for you because (laughs) even even people that are within the horse industry that are really wealthy say because they've got a different job they're still not going to be turning over a profit with their horses that's just that that's a passion of theirs that they're happy just to throw money at yeah and like we've said in the past it doesn't matter how many times it gets thrown around that a question sport isn't elitist it is yeah and also i would say as well a lot of people say that another form of income is obviously like selling horses which is true but again if you buy a horse and then have it for a few years and really climb the levels yes you can almost triple the value that you paid for it originally but if you then calculated the care over those years of bedding shoeing 
vets bills feed competition entries saddle fittings you know all of it you'll be so surprised how quickly that number drops unless it's like quite a quick turnaround sale yeah and then that goes hand in hand with like being a dealer yeah you know if you do want to have a quick turnaround a quick profit from selling horses then essentially you will end up being a dealer that comes in terms of that like comes with its own issues yeah a huge amount of issues and also i wouldn't say that that is a good thing for everyone to do i i've known quite a few cases where that has turned around and like really bitten people in the behind yeah. because you know they've they're, they're so trying to sell horses that they're like oh this is bomb proof and it's super easy and then they have a lawsuit coming after yeah. them because it wasn't and they're completely out of business so it is really hard to make a living <laughs> yeah i think like for me at least at my stage I feel like working here I'm almost on like an apprenticeship type thing like I'm here to learn and I'm here to grow with my own horse and it's almost like setting the foundations for the future that if I want to and start my own business I should be competent enough to do so but I think in general earning a living so to speak with horses most of the time it's sort of just making moves on like all fronts you know whether you've got liveries teaching you're selling the odd horse maybe one year i don't think people just do one option that we've discussed it's often a cluster of them just to sort of get by i would also say i really do not know many like i can probably count like two or three of couples that work within the industry like both of them yeah like for example my sister you know she works really hard she does a lot of freelance teaching she also has horses in for training etc etc but the only reason that she is able to afford a house is because she has a partner she has a husband who does a different job who has a bigger income than she does dual income makes a huge difference and to be honest i think dual income makes a difference whatever field you're working in i mean we're sat here saying oh you know we're in our early 20s and we're still living at home but basically everyone is nowadays that is just the reality of the situation i've got plenty of friends that are either renting so they're not being able to save that much because they live in london and the rent is just extortionate or they're still living at home and they're trying to save for a deposit on a house so i think i think it's very difficult in general for people our age like yeah but like you and me we can't save no really you know it we we could try but then you'll get like a random large vet's bill and it'll need to go it is really hard Uh, just to sort of round up it is possible earning a living with horses but like we say it depends on what you define as making a living what you want out of life um but yeah we hope that that gives a bit of insight into how we make some money also i hope we didn't sound too depressed you know like me and evie are perfectly happy we're having a great time yeah it's it's like we say it's a lifestyle choice you know we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't want to we'd be off doing something else but we're passionate about it so we enjoy doing it and that's we're happy leaving leading our life like that whereas a lot of people aren't and that's fine because they do something else Okay, moving on to general chit chat because that got quite heavy and quite deep, mm. didn't it? We need to like lift, lift the mood back up. So I have a funny story to tell in that I have a plan on how to kill someone. Right. Okay. I've told you. I'm not going to say it on this podcast just in case someone we'll steals my idea. Yeah. Or if the crime is committed. <laughs> if or or if the crime is committed. But anyway, we had this clinic going on the other day and we have a barbecue with all the people that come in the clinic and we normally just ask them you know like what do you do like you know blah blah and it turns out one of them was a detective inspector in the Met 
And I was sitting opposite her and I was like, oh my God, I'm like having dinner with a detective inspector. This is so cool. I was asking her so many questions. And then I told her my plan on how to kill someone. And she she was looking at me quite funny and she was like, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then she gave me some pointers actually, which oh, okay. I thought was quite helpful. Though now, unfortunately, I cannot, I mean, obviously... I'm not actually going to do this. It was just a very funny hypothetical plan that I made up one day. But then I thought, gosh, if I ever actually followed this through, she'd definitely know where to look (laughs) because there's no plan B. Yeah. But anyway, that was a very funny conversation that we had. I wasn't, I didn't think I was there that night. No, you weren't. It was very funny. You sent me a message though and you were like, oh, one of the clinic ladies works like for the Met. And because I'd been on Instagram and seeing loads of stuff about like the Met Gala, I was like, what? I was like, she's in England and she works for the Met Gala. For the Met Gala? And then I was like, DI, what does that mean? And then I was like, oh, Detective Inspector, yeah. the Metropolitan Police. Yeah. But anyway, the other day I went to the hairdressers with my mum and I'm at the other end getting my hair washed and I can hear my mum telling my hairdresser my plan to kill someone. <laughs> and I was like, mum, you've got to stop giving it away. Yeah. Now every Tom, Dick and Harry's going to yeah. know it. Like, for goodness sake. And anyway, then we end up, we have the same hairdresser. So then I was getting my hair cut and she was like, oh, your mum just told me, you know, how to how to kill someone. And I was like, oh God. And then she went, do you know, um, you know, I don't really have anyone that I, you know, want to, you know, get rid of. But if I did, like, could I use your plan? And I was like crack on like go for it why not and she went yeah because the thing is i'd really like to go to prison and i was like (laughs) does she know what what i was like sorry what shouldn't i really like to go to prison it's it's one of my life goals and i was like wait what i've known this hairdresser for like five years does she mean like visit prison or like actually she wants to be an inmate in prison and she was like no only for a week only for a week only for a week but i just really want to know what it's like and i was like horrible <laughs> i know yeah but then i was like gosh well yeah but the thing is your hairdresser so you'd probably get like you know you'd like be able to cut hair and then you'd get like with what i don't her hands oh, yeah. no scissors. they're not going to be allowed to have scissors in their room anyway then she was like oh well the thing is but then I'd want to escape from prison because that looks really fun as well. And I was like, I was like, I'm so confused right now. You're just like this lovely little like middle-aged woman who's cut my hair for the last five years. You're telling me you legitimately want to use my plan to kill someone. And then that because, because you really want to go to prison. They do those like bar experiences. Have you seen it online? What, where you wear like a really weird orange jumpsuit? Yeah. And it's like a like prison cell and you have drinks in there and i'm just like what is going on with the world prison is not a place you want to like no visit i would also say this story is vaguely horsey because said murder plan involves a mucky and a hasty (laughs) (laughs) that's like really giving it away yeah it's really giving it away but it's fine i've already told a detective inspector so yeah I can't believe she wants to... I know, I that just is very so stupid. Funny. I don't know what prison would be like. Horrible. Yeah. Not somewhere you want to go. It's not like a holiday camp. No. <laughs> it's I not like know. Budgeons or whatever it's called. Budgeons. I, do you know I'd rather go to prison than go to Budgeons? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's like karaoke and stuff, isn't there? Yeah, but prison's like prison. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's not Budgeons. That's a shop. Butlins. What is it again? Butlins, that's a... Butlins. I don't know. I've never been to one of those places. <laughs> I used to see the advert on TV when I was a child and really want to go. Did you? Yeah, but my parents were like, no. No, we're not going. <laughs> no, but it looks like a PGL thing to a child, oh doesn't God, it? PGL. Yeah. Throwback, if anyone is listening knows what PGL is about. Is Budgeon still going on as well, the shop? 
Yeah. Is it? I've never been in there either. No, I think they're up north. Oh. I think. I don't think that's right. We Well, the furthest I go north is Gloucestershire, so... <laughs> That's north for me. North of England. <laughs> the north of Near England Scotland. is Gloucestershire and southern Wales, and that's as far up, far up as I'm going. All righty then, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've made it this far, thank you for listening to my murder, muckheap, <laughs> hairdresser, prison story. That so was completely a tangent. But there we go. <laughs> it's the end of a long day. So... Thank you for listening. We're thinking of rounding up season one with like a finale episode. And today, actually, we've put something on our story asking you guys to send some suggestions in. So I thought maybe like we take a shot every time we say the word horse or something like that. Something really fun. So if anyone can think of anything, like send us a DM. And I mean, we've got one option that somebody's already sent in. (laughs) Every time you say something, brackets your choice means a day you ride without stirrups. I look... I opened it and I just was like, no, I'm not self-harming myself like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I literally said this to my mum yesterday. I was like, because I struggled to sit Simba's trot. And I was like, the thing is, I need to take my stirrups away. So I just learn how to sit them. But he is not safe enough to not Boy, ride without stirrups. Imagine if I did that. I ride all the young horses here. Yeah, just if I was like, oh, crack no. on, get on the four-year-old without uh, yeah. stirrups. I've said pop. this on the podcast. Right, Frodo. Right, <laughs> no it. stirrup, no. <laughs> oh my God. He's booed. I'd literally like oh, yeah. fall off oh, 100%. You can't even, like, change your stirrups while you're yeah. on, let alone take them off or get on without stirrups. Yeah, taking a jacket off is, like, a big deal, so... Yeah, Yanking yeah. out the stirrups isn't... I remember once I took my stirrups off of Terry. Was it Terry? No, it was this horse Amadeus we used to have, <laughs> who was such a character, like, in all, like, a funny way, not in, like, a naughty way. But I took the stirrups off because I thought, right, I'm going to use, like, ten minutes of the session to do some no stirrups to, like, improve my core. And I got off, took the stirrups off, and then, like, I <laughs> I climbed on the fence because we used the fence to get on. And I looked and I was like, ah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. So then I just jumped. <laughs> oh, my God. I literally just jumped. Was he fine? Well, yeah, it was Amadeus. Like, yeah. he was so... You could literally let a bomb off and he would just be like... <laughs> but yeah, that was a really stupid moment for me. Yeah, so unfortunately we're not going to do that because no. we do value our lives. But, but thank you for sending it in. Yeah, thank you for the suggestion. And if anyone has any more, then, like I say, pop us a message and... Yeah, hit him up. Hit him up. <laughs> hit us up. Also, if you guys would be interested in more girl topics rather than horse topics, because, you know, it's it's that's lame. Yeah. It's, it's a double meaning. Yeah. And beside being horse people, we are also girls. Yeah, because we are going out this weekend, actually. Oh, yeah. God, I'm, I'm having night. a right mare about what Saturday I'm going to wear. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Maybe one one thing in the podcast should be that you sing every episode. <laughs> what is that song, though? Saturday night and the music's getting down. Yeah. Hello, baby. That one. Yeah. It's tragic. <laughs> in many ways. Alrighty then, guys. We will love you and leave you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. And we will see you next time. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.